This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. So tomorrow is International Women's Day and in conjunction with IWD 2023, organisational psychologist and CEO of Osai Ketel Doshi is online with me today and we're going to be talking about some interesting data that points to the fact that women are challenged to challenge. Ketel, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Happy International Women's Day in advance uh, and I have to say I do look forward to our Psychology at Work episodes every month, I have to say. Thank you so much, Audrey. Thanks for having me here and happy International Women's Day to you too. Okay, so I understand, Hetel, that OSAIC has data that shows women are still held back in so many different ways, you know, externally and internally uh, in the working world today. Can you tell us exactly what you mean by when you say women are held back, you know, and in, and in which ways? Right. Um, so... You know, I think it's really important to just start by saying we all have unconscious biases and we all fall into these bias traps so easily and so quickly. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been testing out with organizations is something called the implicit bias test. And in this particular test, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool test. You basically are shown a person's name and you get to choose whether or not this resembles more a career name or a family name. So let's say, for example, you throw out Mary. And when you think about Mary immediately, do you think um, career or do you think family? Uh, it's a super interesting test, but it's timed. And so even a split second can show that you have biasness between Mary or Michael. Uh, this implicit bias test that we've carried out in Malaysia has shown that close to um, 70 to 80 participants, close to 75% of participants associate men with career. So very quickly, when you see Michael, you're like, okay, career. And when you see Mary, you associate it with family. Um, and this is based on a split second or up to 10 seconds of a difference, yeah? And so some of you might, some, some people might say, oh, that's fine if you take a couple of seconds to make a decision about something like this. But even a one second biasness that Mary is associated with family and Michael with career, even a 1%, one extra second that you take uh, equals to that 1% bias, which can reduce the chance of a female being selected for a particular position or hearing that person out by 35%. So every time it takes you one second more to think, oh yes, female equals to leader or female equals to career, it reduces the female's chance by 35%. And so therefore the female has to work 35% harder to be able to earn that level of power that a male naturally gets as well. Um, so very interestingly as well, um, in a particular study that was done, um, they found that so it's the exact same investor pitch, yeah? So there's pitching going on. It's the exact same pitch, but investors were found to significantly more likely to be invest to invest in men, uh, especially good-looking men or more attractive men compared to lower attractive men, but definitely overall, even lower attractive men are chosen more than women. And this is by 70%. So imagine it's the exact same script that is used to pitch and you have a 70% chance of getting funding because purely because you are a male. So even if you're trying to challenge, by pure default that you are born in a blue color blanket compared to a pink color blanket, and by you know, by, by the glory of your parents giving you better looking features as a male, you get a higher chance. 
So now we've got the fact that number one, males are associated with leadership, with career, with challenging. Males have a 70% higher chance of being selected or being invested in. Um, and so now what happens when females try to be assertive, right? So, mm. you know, when, in Malaysia, when you have powerful women, they're called iron ladies. Eh? So I think we... Or tiger moms. Yeah, right? Correct. Tiger moms, uh, iron ladies. And when uh, males are, you know, assertive and they lead the pack, they're called legends, right? Uh, Tun Mahathir, legend. You think about any other female lady over here, it's like iron lady. Um and so it's it's un, it's it's interesting because an iron lady and a Malaysian legend, male legend, they're both considered to be competent. In a particular study, um, an actual study of a lady who was very successful uh, venture capitalist became a subject of a case study. In this particular study, they used the name Heidi versus Howard, so it's the exact same pitch that shows the exact same level of competence. And so in the case of Iron Lady versus, you know, heroic legends of Malaysia, both of them are deemed to be competent. But in this particular case study, where it's the exact same pitch that was given, both Heidi and Howard were considered to be competent, but Heidi was significantly less likable. So our Iron Ladies are considered to be very competent, but potentially less likable and worth being less likely to be hired in that particular case study, and also perceived to be more selfish and pitiful when they think about who their spouses would be. Ooh. So, yeah, so, you know, when they're asked at the end of this particular study, like, you know, what do you think if they're in a marriage? And they're like, wow, pitiful life if this was a guy. Whereas if it is a guy who is very competent, say, wow, that's a very lucky wife that she has. So this shows that there's a negative correlation for women between power and success. So, when, as we think about IWD this year, and the idea here is digital, which is innovation, and therefore challenging uh, to go forward, there is a negative correlation for women between power, negotiation, um, and success as well. And ultimately, women experience a cost of their voice in an everyday approach to their work. Um, when they try to be, unfortunately, in a double bind, when they try to be assertive, they are not liked. And when they try to be liked, they're not perceived as, in, uh, they're perceived as incompetent. So they have to walk a very, very tight rope if they are to go with IWD's challenge of innovating and challenging the status quo. Mm. Now, Hithal, I also want to ask you about like the internal factors because when we say women are challenged to challenge it, I, I somehow feel like there's a whole lot of reasons why we limit ourselves or women on the whole feel like, you know, there are internal factors that stop them from challenging. Yeah. What, so what are your thoughts on this? In an actual study that we conducted at OSAIC, uh, and it was a sample size of close to 1,300 employees in Malaysia with an almost equal split of male and female, what we found out, unfortunately, was, as you have said rightfully, that an internal an internal schema, right? An internal default schema. Unfortunately, we found that female self-esteem was lower than male self-esteem. Um, and self-esteem is basically your overall sense of value or worth. Um, and where does this kind of come from? So I'll just give you a very 
you know, it, it, it's such a horrible um, uh, thing to, 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 to experience. So where does your sense of worth come from? Here's a particular riddle, okay? A father and a son are in a car crash and they are rushed to the hospital. The father dies, the boy is taken to the operating room and the surgeon says, I can't operate on this boy because he's my son. Mm. In this particular riddle, you, you ask, they, they ask people, why, why, who is this surgeon and why can't the surgeon operate? They're like, oh, maybe it's the grandfather, maybe the father is gay, it's another man that he's married to. But no one can think about the surgeon as being a female or rather it's a very low extent. So when you are constantly not seen as a person who can be categorized as a competent person that is in a leadership position, taking charge of crisis, obviously your self-esteem goes down. Um, you know, you also have things like, for example, when, when women fight for their salaries or when women take part in extremely awesome roles, like for example, You've got this particular, uh, I don't know whether you've ever watched uh, the movie Jurassic World Dominion. Mm -hmm. uh, in that particular movie, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt, they're both co-leaders in all three sequels. Um, but um, Howard found out that she was being paid $2 million less than Howard uh, than, than uh, Chris Pratt. And she discussed this and um, in, 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 in doing so, then Chris Pratt was the one who fought for her and said, you guys don't have to do anything. I'm going to do all the negotiating and we, you're going to end up having to be, be uh, being paid the same amount. But you know inherently that your worth, if other people view your worth as $2 million less than your exact same male counterpart, what do you think your worth is going to be at default? Um, and, and there are so many of these uh, particular case studies as well. Now, what happens when women try to push for uh, themselves. So in this case, you've got Chris Pratt fighting for her. So in a particular study, it was found that when women negotiate for their own salaries, for higher salary, um, it, unfortunately, they end up being penalized and there's a backlash for it, such that they are seen as not likable. And eventually, both male and female interviewees feel that they don't want to work with these kind of people. So inherently, your self-esteem goes down because if you can't even fight for yourself, then how can you begin to fight for others? Um, so yeah, I think the inherent thing stems from self-esteem, but I think it is also validated by actual experiences, not only personal experience, but historical as well, meaning people around you in the past. Yeah. All right, uh, it is time for us to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we talk to Hetel about um, what good looks like when we talk about women who challenge. All that and more happening on Resource Centre. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. And we're back. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me, uh, as always, on the first Tuesday of every month, is organisational psychologist and CEO of OSYC, Hethel Doshi. And uh, today, you know, in conjunction with International Women's Day tomorrow, we are talking about women who are challenged to 
challenge. Now, Hetal, uh, before the break, you were talking to us about what this looks like, you know, and how uh, women are perceived, you know, when she challenges the norm compared to her male counterpart. Uh, but I want to know what good looks like when we talk about women who challenge, you know, like, how can we do this better? Yeah, um, one, one of the biggest findings that we've, we had was that uh, the difference between male counterparts and female counterparts in terms of personality was that um, uh, our, our, female, our female colleagues are more emotionally impacted by judgment and noise around them. And therefore, they also rely on manifesting their need to be accepted by being agreeable. So they tend to compromise on their own identity. What I really mean by this is, um, I think the first thing that women, what good looks like would be to stay authentic rather than being emotionally impacted on what you think other people think about you. Uh, staying true to your identity equals to three things. Number one, um, what is your voice? Be consistent with your voice, whether or not people really like it or they don't like it. And find a way to build consensus over a period of time, meaning engage people to like that particular voice by staying true to it. Because if you hear somebody speaking for 10 times and the person's truly authentic and they're able to build that level of credibility, eventually the credibility also leads to likability. So rather than hoping for likability and then trying to build credibility, build your credibility through your own authentic identity and then move forward. So identity in terms of distinctiveness, what is your voice? Be consistent and consensus. I think that's how a lot of our Iron Lady friends and females uh, didn't give enough of you know value in what other people thought about them and they over a period of time built their own brand and their own um, their, their own fan base as well because they didn't give at all of uh, you know they didn't care at all about what other people thought um, the second thing would be I think uh, very 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 uh, uh, pertinently how you carry yourself in very unsafe conversations. So there are times where, say, for example, female uh, leaders could be put down um, or they could be, uh, you know, there could be certain uh, opinions uh, that seem very, uh, that come across as harassment while they are talking. So in this case, I would definitely say what good looks like is literally what Michelle Obama said, when they go low, you stay high and you you really, really have great comebacks that make you look extremely wise and cold. So you don't take an empathetic approach. You don't. You just very factually, methodically cold, and at the same time, extremely wise and curt. So take six seconds at least before you say anything that you want to say. Say it in a very cold but wise manner, and just do a mic drop on uh, that particular scenario. Because then it rings in the, the, the it rings in the ears of everybody else who hears, and it becomes a sound bite that becomes very worthy for generations to come. Um, the third thing I think is women need to step into the arena more and negotiate with the devil. They need to learn how to negotiate with the devil because literally, when you're negotiating with somebody who has a lot more power and has a lot more experience, a lot more exposure, which is what not calling our male counterparts the devil, but they're a lot potentially stronger by historical exposure. And you definitely need to learn how to play in the arena, learn how to take a punch, but not feel the punch emotionally. Um, take it as a factual thing, stand up and learn how to punch back, but also turn the punch into the dance uh, at some point in time. So, you know, I think 
really what good looks like is doing as much of a practice run as possible, coming out as extremely wise, cold, methodical, but also impactful. Yeah, well, excellent tips there. Just looking at how things play out in the workplace, what can organizations, uh, what can team leaders, what can managers, supervisors and women do to make it psychologically safe? You know, as women now are required to challenge more, right, as part of, of, part, as part of work. And, you know, considering what our theme is for IWD this year to focus on digitalization and all of that. So what can organizations, leaders, supervisors and generally co-workers as women do to make it safer for women to challenge in the workplace today? In a study that we did um, on all of the data that we got, psychosocial risk, so the risk that not only females but males experience, uh, we're looking at well-being, we're looking at self-esteem, we're looking at many components that are happening um, dynamically as a person makes a decision whether to have voice or stay silent. In that particular study, what we found out was psychological safety was the biggest mediator Uh, meaning it helps to reduce risk and increase well-being, but also increase performance outcomes. So I would definitely say, number one, all organizations should set a very clear standard and a policy for psychological safety in the workplace. Just say, basically, like we want to make sure that psychological safety scores are at 80% in the organization across all teams. The second thing would be then to measure it uh, based on proper psychological uh, safety assessments that are validated. And you look at where, where, which teams are most impacted, which gender is most impacted, which um, uh, age group and maybe job type as well. And then bus myths as well. So I think it's very important to bust certain myths. So for example, you know, there is a particular myth that women talk a lot, but actually the pattern is clear and consistent that it's men who won't actually shut up. Uh, the research had pulled up uh, uh, showing that male, male senators take up more time on the Senate floor than female ones. Another uh, uh, looking at groups found that just when just one woman is present, she speaks 40% less than male group members. But only when four females are present, then there's an equal amount of talking for both. Um, there's also research from Supreme Court justices who show that male Supreme Court justices interrupt their colleagues female colleagues three times more than the female ones. And perhaps the most damning uh, analysis showed across 43 separate studies that men were more likely to over-talk or talk over others compared to females. So I think busting myths about what is right and what is wrong, but obviously, you know, the idea is not to, you know, put any gender down, but busting myths that actually put females down would be quite valuable. Uh, the two other things that I would definitely recommend would be team retreats where there are interventions of what female and male want their leaders to do better, what they can do better mm-hmm. as a team, what they can do independently is important. And lastly, I would definitely say key scenarios and role, uh, role plays. You, you could imagine that the world is in a revolution of being able to negotiate and influence for better outcomes because things are so challenging these days. And we want to really set everybody up to be able to deal with challenging conversations, conflict, tough negotiations for better outcomes. So I think constantly putting people in a boxing ring so that they don't get boxed on the actual day of being boxed Mm. um, and they're they're able to play well in very tough circumstances can be very valuable, both male and female learning from each other about what could be the best level of standards to hold in challenging uh, conversations. Yeah, that would be that would be some of the top five that we've found that have been extremely valuable. 
Right. That was extremely valuable, uh, Hetal. You know, preparation. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Um, just before I let you go, Hetal, do you have any parting thoughts before we end this episode today, you know, in conjunction with International Women's Day? Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I, I've always been consistent about is stop asking for power. Just pull it out from within you because it is there. Stop. Um, I think I think majority of us women are always looking left and right. Fathers, brothers, uncles, male bosses. We're hoping to get power from them, but it is it is there. So just um, I guess take it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, press the gas pedal on that for sure. Yeah, pedal to the metal. All right, um, Hitel. Uh, happy International Women's Day to you. Uh, look forward to catching up with you same time next month. Uh, for all those listening out there who would like to learn more about OSIC and the work you do with organizations, uh, maybe you can give them the website and ways to contact you personally. Sure. Um, as always, please do uh, connect with me on LinkedIn at Hetal Doshi. And our website is www.o-psych.com. We look forward to hearing all of your feedback and comment after this. Right. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. My name is Audrey Raj and I've been speaking with organizational psychologist and CEO of Osaic, Hetal Doshi. This has been Resource Center on Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.